welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in cybersecurity about a career in this industry, specifically how to get into it and how to advance. My name is Gene Fay, the CEO of ThreadX, an API and application security company, and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. We're going to do things a little bit different today. We're going to change it up. I'm joined today by my colleague, Jeremy Ventura, who is our field CISO here at ThreadX. Jeremy has worked in cybersecurity for a long time. Happy to say this is the second time I've had the pleasure of working with him and that we're definitely enjoying ourselves. And I asked him to join us today to talk about a recent survey that we put together. So Jeremy, how are you today? Good, Gene. Thank you so much for having me today. Super excited for this conversation and share some insights on our new uh, survey that we're uh, just released. The marketing team's definitely outdone themselves. Uh, they did a survey of uh, 2,000 uh, consumers in the UK and the US to talk about cybersecurity skills gap. And of course, for our listeners of the Executive Security Podcast, you know, it's a true passion of mine and uh, directly reflects something I'm passionate about, which is I think everybody should work in cybersecurity. I know you feel the same way about it. So let's jump into it a little bit. A lot of powerful results. Uh, Let's start off with the first one. You know, it says uh, we reported that 62% of people said that if they or their child had more education and more exposure to cybersecurity in schools, they would have considered entering the field. So, Jeremy, what what do you think about that stat? You know, why do you think people that would have joined our field if they simply were just exposed to this? The first initial reaction when I saw this stat come back was I wasn't surprised at all. I think there is a growing concern. I think somewhere between three and a half and four million open cybersecurity jobs worldwide. When looking at individuals and or parents looking at their children going through education, one of the big reasons of that is because there is pretty much nothing or there hasn't traditionally been a lot of different programs to get and educate children from elementary school to middle school to high school, even in college. I know the college and university that I went to, I was fortunate to get a master's degree in uh, cybersecurity, and that was the first graduating class. And so, and that was in 10 years ago. And so while we have seen huge advancements in the last 10 years from different colleges and universities, we still see a big gap when it comes to early education. And I do think it's an ingredient to the recipe. I think there's a couple different things that contribute to how many open jobs and why organizations struggle to fill security positions, but definitely not having programs or giving opportunities to all students. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about what that really means in all. That has been an exact contributing factor to why there's so many different jobs out there as well. I think it's an interesting one that you think about it, it's everybody acknowledges the skills gap. So the government just put out a massive report and there's all sorts of initiatives big companies like Microsoft and Google and smaller companies like ourselves. But when it comes to the educational side of it, you know, who do you think is responsible for it? Is it the government? Is it corporations? Is it the parents? Like, where do you think, you know, responsibility for for exposing everybody to a potential career in cybersecurity falls? I think it's a combination of, you mentioned a couple there. It's definitely a combination of government. To your point, we've seen some great frameworks, and I'm very careful of how I say that, great frameworks come out recently from 
you know, the administration about why the challenges we have or why we need more individuals. But we still really haven't seen the exact plan and how we're going to actually accomplish this. Um, but to your point, there's been massive organizations out there, the Microsofts, the Amazons of the world, and others that have partnered together and said, we're going we're gonna to give millions, if not billions of dollars into creating either new jobs or giving back to education. So we're seeing corporations definitely partner with the government. I definitely think it, that's a great starting point and stepping stone. But it's not just government and corporations, just like anything in cyber. It also comes down to even local, your local school systems, your local departments. I remember even working when I was living back in Massachusetts, there was a girls and boys club that partnered with a big cybersecurity company out there. And for after school programs, they were giving free technology courses and different simulations. So it's not just government and organizations, it's a great start, right? Those are typically the uh, two that have the most, let's call it power, but there's also a lot that can be done at the local level, regional levels, with inside your own municipalities and communities and school systems as well. So yeah, it's, it's a combination of a, a couple of different entities out there. I agree with you. And, and I think that the parental impact, I think, can also have a big positive result in this as well is, is exposure. But if they, everybody isn't in cybersecurity like you and I, so it's not realistic for me to think, okay, every parent should have a conversation about a potential career in cybersecurity. But I think helping people get exposed to it, I think is a great opportunity. And uh, I think Massachusetts in particular, in particular has done a really nice job. I've just recently moved up full-time down to New Hampshire, and I'll learn more about what New Hampshire's doing and hope to uh, have an impact on that side so that the, the government can play a leading role in making sure that people understand what the opportunities are. Because let's face it, they're good freaking paying jobs. Hard to get into even with a degree and some exposure, but they really are a good good opportunity. So next one, which I think this uh, next stat was rather surprising 90% reported that they are concerned about the future of cybersecurity if more isn't done at an earlier stage to expose students in this field. So if consumers are concerned about this, wouldn't it be in the vendor's best interest like ours to help expose students to the field and help promote what a career looks like in this industry? What, what do you think of from a vendor perspective and you know, us as a, a provider of cybersecurity? I definitely think from a vendor perspective, we can do a lot more. And that, that's every security and technology vendor out there. And I think there's, I, I can't remember, I know you and I just came back from the uh, Black Hat Conference. There were thousands of security vendors. That's the ones that attended. For those that are listeners that aren't familiar with Black Hat, Black Hat and DEF CON, which are a, a series of conferences that happen in Vegas in the August, and then RSA, which tends to happen in the beginning uh, or early spring, are two of the biggest conferences. But yeah, go, go ahead, Jeremy. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, no problem. I, I was going to say, I'm not surprised that that number is so high at 90%. So Black Hat in Las Vegas, as you just mentioned, Gene, in 2022, there was a section, it was one of the first times that the Black Hat conference did it. And it was centered around recruiting cybersecurity careers. And even at my time, and I, this was my eighth Black Hat, we've always had people, no matter what company I've worked for, people come up, they're looking for internships, they're from local colleges of students, and they're giving them pretty much, let's call it like a scholarship to go out and it's all paid for for the weekend and learn for Black Hat and DEF CON. And last year, there were four security vendors out of the thousands that were there, four. And I actually talked about this in another podcast where as an industry in the security vendor, we we, we, we do a lot of complaining sometimes. <laughs> yes. We talk about, oh, it's hard to fill, <laughs> it's hard to fill these positions or <laughs> it's hard to fill these positions or we're looking to hire or it's a very really competitive market. But when we think about some of the opportunities that 
are sometimes presented to us as an industry, we're not always taking advantage of that as well to gain or get people into the industry and then also nurture them, mature them. And I think there's that aspect of it as well. Now, one of the positive things, just speaking again, the conference this year was it was the first time that I remember walking out of the conference and I was going to that little restaurant row or the restaurants in Mandalay Bay. And it was actually Amazon, which was cool to see. There were individuals from their HR and recruiting team that were standing outside the different restaurants and they had signs that said, we're hiring, we're hiring, come speak to us, we're hiring. And I thought it's a great step, great initiative and great exposure for Amazon, but we need more of that, right? And that not just that Black Hat, but including at our local conferences again, so many different local things. I know I live here in just south of Los Angeles and we have at least five per month, but doing more opportunities to speak with students at colleges and universities, high school students as well, as we're talking about, even from a STEM program and making sure that we are making it a positive and friendly field as well. There's a lot of sometimes intimidation where people look into cybersecurity and go, oh, I either need, I need to know how to hack, I need to know how to code, I need to have all this years of experience. And that's not always true, right? And it, and it shouldn't be always true. Those skills are great, but there's a field and there's a position for anybody that wants to get into it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think as a CEO of ThreadX, a relatively small company in comparison to some of our big, big public competitors or partners in this industry. But I think that it's easy for me to be focused on my job and say, I'm too busy to give back. But I, I think about you know how good this industry has been to me and how there were people that were willing to teach me about this industry when I knew nothing 17 years ago. It's got to be part of your job description. If you're in cybersecurity, you know, 5% of your time's got to be about helping others, helping others get into this industry. And it, it can be more welcoming than it is, but it's, it's, it's better than some industries. But I think part of it is just helping to make those initial connections. And I know you're connected to a lot of people. I'm connected to a lot of people. So it's like, it's got to be part of our job to say, look, I'm going to parse off 5%, 10% of my time to be able to do that. And I'm happy to say I've talked with now 70 plus CISOs and other security leaders. And, you know, obviously they're doing the podcast, so they're showing some level of interest. But I, I think there is genuine interest in the industry to be really be able to give back to it and and help others to get into it as it changes, right? So so no, another interesting stat. So 70% of the people who took the survey are under the impression that a college degree is necessary to pursue a career in cybersecurity. And 67% thought a career in cybersecurity should be achievable through a certification or apprentice program versus a four-year program. And I think this is kind of an interesting one. We did uh, pretty early on, we did a great podcast with two CISOs and we, you know, they took opposing uh, views and I kind of took somewhere in the middle, but we, we debated it for a good, good long while. But I, I mean, you and I both have master's degrees, uh, mine in business, not in cyber specifically, but obviously we've gone the uh, more collegiate path. W what are your thoughts on these two different uh, ways to potentially think about opening up this market? I definitely think the simple answer is we absolutely need to open up the market. Again, to your point, uh, we were both fortunate to have the resources to attend college. There's a lot of individuals that don't have the resources to do that. And it's super important, especially when we start talking about entry-level positions. Or an entry level doesn't necessarily have to mean you're coming straight out of college or at that age. It could be no, transition out of the military, right? Exactly. And so 
breaking into cybersecurity needs to be a lot easier. And I, I think it's an industry problem. I think we do we do it on ourselves where sometimes there's a lack of communication between the hiring teams, let's call it for an internal organization, the security team, the CISOs, the senior leaders with the HR departments, and the recruiting teams. Funny story. I was on LinkedIn on uh, this past Friday and uh, there's another uh, cybersecurity influencer and uh, his name is Mike Miller and he had posted on his page how it was a video and it was a, a job post, real job post from LinkedIn and it said entry-level SOC analyst position, SOC analyst one. And when you go back to the minimum requirements, it said 15 years of experience. And that's right there, the problem. <laughs> whether, whether that was a mistake or not and how they made that job posting, I'm assuming it wasn't. That's just a lack of communication, a lack of understanding. Where am I getting my talent? And I know you've talked about it a lot in your podcast about organizations are focused, looking for the unicorn. And there's not really too many unicorns out there. Even to your point, like even if the experience level was 1.5 instead of 15, like somebody forgot the period there or the decimal place, like it's still a lot of experience for somebody that doesn't have any experience and is trying to get in. I mean, we had 4,000 applicants for an entry-level position. Now, our SOC manager was you know, smart enough to say it's a, you know, no experience necessary. But if there are 4,000 people that are willing to apply for a great company like ThreadX, how many people are willing to apply to a job at T. Rowe Price or pick your large company, right? And we've got to definitely think about those job requirements. And I do think this apprentice idea is another way to go. Like having been a part of Northeastern, and I know you're very familiar with Northeastern as well, is like, you know, this intern programs are a way to get people exposed to it. I, I think there are more creative ways. I saw some of this uh, at IBM uh, when we were part of IBM after being acquired in a previous company, and, and they did have really great programs for women wanting to get back into work, uh, maybe uh, after some kids had grown up and they said, hey, let me get back into work. So I, I think there's ways to do that in this industry. And I think to your point, you said it perfectly. We complain a lot. We've got the smarts. Now we got to start to put in some level of initiatives and programs that allow us to break down those barriers and get more people in here. I totally agree. And I, I want to just piggyback on one thing you said right there, because I look, I reflect back, like we were talking about kind of the themes of a mentorship and going back. I look back of how I got into cybersecurity and it was through an apprenticeship or internship. And it was Raytheon partnering with South Virginia University in Newport, Rhode Island. And I was a college student and we had teachers and they said, we're going to do a STEM internship program where you learn from our SOC analysts for six months and see if you like it. If you like it, maybe you get a career in it. If you don't, it's okay too. And I think that's important to your point, like looking beyond, to answer your question, looking beyond the four-year or five-year degree and looking at other ways, apprenticeships, clubs. We know that in cybersecurity, there's a lot of individuals who are really technically smart and they build home labs, right? Making sure you incorporate that on, create a YouTube channel, create a, a blog post or put it on your resume at least and be like, I created a home lab and by, from scratch. And so there, there's many, many different ways to get in the industry. But I do think college degrees are great, but we need to expand way beyond that because not everyone is going to have the resources to actually do that. Totally agree. And then the final question, which I know is near and dear to both our hearts, is 52% say engaging students of all backgrounds earlier in STEM cybersecurity courses will help minimize the talent shortage among the cybersecurity industry. So let's face it, you know, the cybersecurity industry is not diverse, and we've got to really rethink recruiting, 
And to help rethink recruiting, we've got to be able to help these students uh, potent or potential candidates to to get exposed to this. So, you know, kind of what what are your thoughts on this? Diversity, inclusion, and even going all the way into, again, early education or finding different programs it is a real challenge when it comes to the technology industry and cybersecurity industry. When you think about just a child, right? A lot of childs nowadays, right? You go to a restaurant and they're on their iPads. And so uh, I think not everyone has that privilege of also, depending on underrepresented areas and backgrounds and cities and locations around the world, not just here in the United States. And I think, again, it goes back to one of those original conversations, like organizations, governments, corporations, partnering with communities around the world is critical. And getting technology in the hands, getting certain cybersecurity initiatives or trainings or just the idea of it, I think is super important. And I'll shout out um, CIS, which is a center for internet security here in the US. They have a couple different programs. One of them I know being the United States Cyber Challenge CyberQuest, where they actually partner and demonstrate different programs and skills for students. So for example, like it's different quizzes, like, you know, what is a vulnerability? Uh, What is a server? And in general, like that, there's all kinds of different things. Even when we think about online bullying, right? We have stopbullying.gov. And that talks from a child, you're not really learning technical cybersecurity, but you're learning about what does cyberbullying look like? How can I help from a parent, especially to their child? You know, how can I help my child recognize the patterns, whether it's themselves or a friend potentially getting bullied? And, you know, that's when I think about security, that is cybersecurity as well. That's just one aspect of it that we sometimes forget about. And so I do think there has to be a lot more done. I think we are making great strides, but it takes a lot more resources. It takes a lot more effort from everybody in the community to making sure that we are giving back and giving the opportunity for all students. And again, that emphasis on all uh, students and individuals, not just students, but everybody. Totally agree. And I, I give a shout out to Cyversity. So for listeners that do come from diverse backgrounds, please, please check out Cyversity. I mean, the whole organization has been started by a group of people that want to make sure that the underrepresented are represented in our great industry and they get all the opportunity to grow and, and become CEOs and, and uh, hire lots of, lots of people uh, in the future. So I think that's another great organization for those that are maybe feeling underrepresented in our industry, whether trying to get in or being a part of it, please go check out Diversity. That's a very uh, passion committed. I I went to their RSA event and uh, I said to Julian Waits, I said, uh, you're going to need a bigger room, man. Like that, you know, it's like, it was packed. It was a big room to begin with and it was packed. I said, next year, you're going to need a bigger room. So uh, yeah, please check out the diversity organization. So, so Jeremy, well, thank you uh, as always for all everything you do at ThreadX, but also for being a guest on the Executive Security Podcast. A reminder to our listeners looking up their skills, you can get one year free of content from our cybersecurity training portal, ThreadX Academy, by using the promo code podcast. ThreadX Academy covers a wide variety of cybersecurity topics. You can learn more by going to academy.threadx.com. Also check out one of our most popular recent episodes featuring Mark Varner, the CISO at Lowe's. He has a really interesting view on uh, the role of a CISO, which is really helping organizations manage risk 
as opposed to stop attacks. It's really kind of interesting, thought-provoking, and Mark's a great interview, so please go check that out. And finally, if you want to learn more about API and application security, please visit ThreadX.com. Jeremy, thanks again for being an awesome guest, and uh, thanks for everything you do at ThreadX. Thank you so much, Gene. Thank you.